0: a quick hits on a Friday September 23rd on the cusp of week three gonna go over a little bit of Thursday night football action Browns taking care of the Steelers at home 29 to 17 and we're gonna sprinkle in as we do every Friday three of my stronger plays for this week stronger opinions on these games and we'll get into all of that Uh, before we do make sure to like subscribe share the podcast thank you all so much for listening again make sure to follow me on twitter at blake andrew pace i have another podcast chasing 1969 a new york jets podcast with my good friend teddy pristash make sure to follow us on twitter at nyj underscore chasing 69 most recent podcast came out yesterday uh recapping their crazy come from behind win over the cleveland browns and previewing their upcoming matchup with the owen 2 hungry desperate cincinnati bengals so make sure to follow us there um and yeah exciting week three slate few games i'm very interested in to see uh last night i was on the wrong side of history i <laughs> i was very invested in cleveland first half that loses going into the game i was very interested in steelers money line so my mindset was hey maybe the browns take a big lead in the first half and then we just bet pittsburgh to uh pull things closer by the end of the game a huge 0 for 2 miss there as uh, the steelers win the first half um and then get outscored 16 to 3 in the second half browns now two and one with wins over the steelers and the panthers uh, that one loss to the jets as we were just saying the steelers fall to one and two And, uh, you know, my biggest takeaway from this game, I was surprised. I don't know if the broadcast did a a good enough job highlighting this. Um, You know, the story around Pittsburgh is when do we make the switch from Mitchell Trubisky to Kenny Pickett? Um, And up to this point, and even last night, Mike Tomlin reassuring everybody that, no, Mitch is the starter for this season. And um, it's at a point now where they are pretty um, hell-bent on keeping uh, Kenny Pickett out for this entire rookie season slow play him you know I think that the Steelers are one of those traditionalist um, you know franchises where it's like we're we're never going to rush a guy out into a situation we're going to take our time with Kenny Pickett um, and we're going to bring him out there when he's in the best position to succeed and so maybe they're just saying this season isn't it offensive line a little um not only just banged up but not what it had been i guess uh the previous five or so years i don't think they were great the last two but before that they had a pretty respectable offensive line really good in the trenches and one of the best offensive line coaches of all time whose name i am forgetting Fuck. um anyways they are all hell-bent on keeping kenny pickett off the football field for this entire rookie season now how far can you let that go the offense has looked rough I will say last night was the best it's looked this season uh, but then you're still looking at the numbers Trubisky 20 of 32 for 207 zero touchdowns there um, and it doesn't let them get much going on the ground game either Najee Harris 3.7 yards a carry 56 yards he did have that touchdown there obviously Trubisky runs in a score as well too I mean like what we've seen from uh, Warren as well too he's got some pop in as a small guy good good uh, compliment to Najee Harris the thing that the broadcast booth didn't do a great job of, of highlighting is some of Trubisky's off-target throws. There were a few he lofted toward the sideline that just sailed out of bounds. These receivers look so visibly angry that Kenny Pickett isn't in there at quarterback. And maybe it's not that it's Pickett. Maybe they're just mad about Mitch. But there's a few balls that just sailed over where, like, the receivers just look pissed off. And I would be too, if you're a talented trio of Deontay Johnson, George Pickens and Chase Claypool and Pickens and Claypool are under 40 yards. And, you know, Deontay used a little bit more, eight catches for 84 still, you know, they're not getting much out of this passing offense. And I think just from what we're seeing on the sidelines and what we're seeing on the field, it's got to make me believe that in practice, Kenny Pickett looks like the better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. Um, But at the end of the day, it still boils down to this franchise is uh, hellbent on taking their time with Pickett. How far can you let that go? Uh, Let's see. Let's take a look at the schedule. He said, at the very least, that um, Mitch Trubisky will be out there week four against the New York Jets. Now, that is a game, and we'll see the Jets play Cincinnati, and we might talk about them a little bit later in the show, too, where the Jets' defense I'm not necessarily in love with. And maybe they're like, hey, that's a win that you can get there. But after that point, You go and play the Bills in Buffalo, you host the Buccaneers, you go to Miami to take on the Dolphins, play the Eagles, um, and then you've got the Saints in the early portions of November coming off of their bye. Why would we put Kenny Pickett out there in any of those situations? If this team is what we've seen from the last three weeks, where it's a three-point win over the really lousy Cincinnati Bengals, a three-point loss to the very kind of lousy Patriots uh, team and then a 12-point loss to the Cleveland Browns. If this team was good enough to, you know, if this roster was good enough outside of its quarterback to advance far into the playoffs to seize the division and really get things going, sure. Put the quarterback out there. But I wouldn't put him out there till the very least after this bye week because um, going up against, like we said, we got the Jets. Obviously, yeah, that would be a good warm-up game for a rookie quarterback. But then you're going to roll out his next four games against the Bills, who are Super Bowl favorites, the Buccaneers, who have one of the best shots in the NFC at getting to the Super Bowl, Miami, whose defense is very scary and a team that is going to put up a lot of points. And then the Eagles, who also look like a top contender in the NFC. After the bye gets a little bit lighter. You've got the Saints that you host there, the Saints I'm not too in love with, Dennis Allen and. Jameis Winston, that's not a combo that necessarily scares me, especially when you go through their previous history. I know the Saints were respected over the last five or so years and actually the last 20 with Sean Payton or however long he's been there, 15-ish maybe. But Dennis Allen, never been a good head coach before this situation. Jameis Winston, obviously one of the more shaky quarterbacks. I don't know why we said that, you know, there's such a well-structured organization that this is a duo that you know, we'll keep things afloat after the Breeze-Sean Payton era. It's it's just a duo that doesn't even compare to what they had before. Um, then you've got the Cincinnati Bengals, who could still be shaky up to that point. You know, they, they look pretty lousy offensively so far this year. The Colts <laughs> on, uh, uh, you know, late November. I don't know. Don't talk to me about them. Then you got the Falcons. Um, you play the Ravens twice late, but you've also got the Panthers i'm in the browns in there again as well too to close out the season so i understand making the switch as soon as possible if you think that this is a team that is moving far into the playoffs and you want to get your quarterback in tune with this offense gearing up toward a postseason surge but just in terms of getting your quarterback comfortable in the early parts of the nfl because we understand he's not a herbert or burrow type talent He's more of a, at best, I would say maybe in that Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr range, where he's a, you know, a little bit more athletic than we give him credit for. He's accurate, but he's not a guy that is going to necessarily just dominate the field and win you games. So why put him out there in a games where you're going to need that out of your quarterback? Buffalo, Tampa, Miami, Philadelphia. That's not the stretch. If the Steelers are fine with Mike Tomlin's first losing season of his head coaching career, and obviously you're not. And, and, you know, I'm not to say that that's what's going to happen, but in just terms of framing the future of this franchise, because it does seem that they are invested in Kenny Pickett um, by the way that they're taking their time with him. Don't put him out there for the next month or so. Get through the bye. If you could squeak out a win against the Jets, maybe you. I don't know what other win is in there. That's Those, those are probably going to be four losses outside of the Jets one. Maybe you can upset the Dolphins because you're a, a, a well-respected. You know, we get a Brian Flores revenge game sitting there as linebackers coach. So maybe at best, you walk out of that stretch at, what, three and five? Maybe you go out, you rattle some wins against the Saints, the Colts, the Falcons, the Panthers, and maybe you do still float around about a 500 football team. But um, I am totally fine with them waiting for Kenny Pickett because this next stretch, everybody wants to make the change. It's like, do you see who they have on the schedule? It's much rather if, if Mitch is just a bridge quarterback, And a bad one at that, let him take the beating over the next month and a half. And then, you know, ease off the season, finish off the year on a positive note with Kenny and build toward 2023. By the way, before we transition to things, just couldn't be more wrong about Mitch. I I bought into so much hype. I was so ready for him. He looked better against Cleveland, but man, it's it's, um, not look good. Not look good three weeks in. All right. So let's talk some week three action. We're going to stay away from Monday Night Football because we will be back on Monday with another podcast um, previewing Cowboys Giants, uh, which will be a fun one. Maybe not in terms of uh, the viewing perspective. It's not going to be the most beautiful game in the world, but it'll be a fun game with a lot of uh, momentum building in New York for the Giants and Brian Dable. We are going to go over three games that I feel the best about heading into week three, more on the gambling lines, but with the gambling lines also comes the storylines within those teams as well too so the first one we're going to go to let's talk raiders titans las vegas now heading into tennessee the raiders are 0 and two the titans are an even worse 0 and two um this line is now at vegas minus one and a half i believe it could have crept up to two by now but at the time that i had placed my wager on this one. It was uh, Raiders minus one and a half, and that is the play there. Um, the Tennessee Titans, the worst DVOA team in all of football, thirty-second um, in the league, offensively. It's one thing. This is this is this is where the Ryan Tannehill Express is gone. Is now people are learning why things didn't work out in Miami. The last few years, they had everything set up beautifully for Ryan Tannehill. It was a fantastic defense. It was a good enough offensive line and above-average offensive line. It was one of the best running teams in the league, highlighted by a, a workhorse in Derrick Henry. And then outside of that, you were able to do a lot of great play action stuff with A.J. Brown. Um, you had Corey Davis at one point in there as well, too. A nice wide receiver, two situation, um, decent enough tight end play and a really good offensive coordinator in Arthur Smith, too. I don't want to you know, throw away that his loss as well, too, took some some portions away from this offense now. Flash forward just a few years, and you, you've kind of given Ryan Tannehill the same situation that he had in Miami when things just didn't go well. The run game is not there. Derrick Henry, you know, following the broken foot last year, the terrible playoff game, and the stretch this year. I'm not giving up completely on him, but running backs are trying, can kind of tell you when things are given up. You know, we've been buying into Ezekiel Elliott for three years in a row now, thinking, yeah, he's still maybe this is the year he really pops off it's not going to happen running backs tell you when their time is up um, and you can kind of start to see there's just that lack of explosiveness and Henry I don't think is at the Zeke level yet but I can tell when you watch him play it's just not what it once was and he's he's not he he doesn't have the pop he had a few years ago that made him the best running back in football the offensive line is really bad Taylor Lewan still cannot stay healthy the guy that they had in for him I don't know if he was a rookie. Oh God, what's his name? They had a guy in the place at left tackle against the bills and he looked terrible and he's going to be out there again too. And the Raiders have a really terrifying pass rush. The receiving game is not existent for Ryan Tannehill. I like Traylon Burks enough, but he is not AJ Brown. He's not even Corey Davis up to this point. There's just not a lot of um, depth in the receiving room and a lot of options that you feel comfortable with. So now and also the defense is banged up. Bud Dupree, Harold Landry, they've lost a bunch of guys. It's essentially Kevin Bayard and uh, Jeffrey Simmons in there. That's basically all they have on defense. So the Titans now 0-2, they've looked like one of the worst teams in football. And it's because, you know, now you need Ryan Tannehill to try and be one of those superstar quarterbacks. And he just isn't that. So I understand the Titans are desperate. I understand they're hosting the game here um, in Nashville, but the Raiders come in if if the Raiders hold on and beat that Cardinals team, and it doesn't end in the ridiculous fashion that it did on last Sunday, this line is what, four and a half in, in the five zone? I think we are getting good value here with the Raiders just because of that epic collapse to the Cardinals, where it was really just Kyler Murray is the best athlete on the field that day. Um, and so they're able to squeak out that come from behind victory, which was just, I mean, even, even to the extent of like the forced fumble return for a touchdown, like the ending of that game. Um, from the fourth quarter on was so unpredictable and um, uncommon that I think we are getting a little bit of a juiced line here simply because it ended in a loss where if you just ended the game at 45 minutes it was a dominant win for the Las Vegas Raiders obviously I think they are going to get Devonte Adams more involved in the offense I think more than two catches is probably um, in the in the game plan this week for them as well too so um, to me the Raiders far and away the better team roster i think that chandler jones and uh who they got opposite him fuck it's not going to come to my head but chandler jones at the very least uh going up against that backup left tackle for the titans is going to be scary i don't see them getting much movement in the ground game because we have yet to see it so far this year um even against uh week one the titans in week one played a team that i can't remember giants they weren't able to get anything moving against the giants in in nashville as well too on the ground so give me the raiders here give me them kind of big i'm I'm glad we're just getting them at one and a half here i do think that the titans um, will continue their trend of being one of the worst teams in the league this year and uh, vegas is in a desperate situation at this point there's not much room for error in the AFC West, um, where I think there is a lot of room for error in the AFC South. So I think the, the Raiders come in desperate to get that first win for Josh McDaniels against a team that they can exploit pretty easily. And um, and I think kind of have seen the recipe two different ways. You can win ugly against them like the Giants have. You can also blow the fucking doors off them with the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think the Raiders are talented enough offensively to, to really put up some points here where the Titans are playing from behind. And when you're the Titans playing from behind, your best playmaker, Derrick Henry, is off the football field. So give me the Raiders here, big on the road against the Tennessee Titans. There are a couple teams before we get to the next game that I just I want to put in my comfort zone, but like this is the this has got to be the week that I finally give up on them. Um, two two teams that we're just gonna go over real quick. They're not in my big plays. I will take their side this week. um, but I don't feel great about it because I've gone to them the last two weeks and they've screwed me over both times. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals i thought last week was just a get right game against the cowboys cooper rush and it was just a continuation of lousy play on the offensive line joe burrow not understanding he needs to get the ball out quick um they they you know get the comeback in the fourth quarter but then they end up losing on that game winning field goal by uh, mar i think it was like 52 53 yards so cincinnati comes in desperate they're heading to new york new york fresh off of that really exciting win against cleveland um but the thing that i think people are forgetting most about this matchup and the jets have a good defense but they have yet to really show a strong edge presence a lot of their pressure has been up through the middle with quinnon williams and john franklin myers when he slides in Um, but the edges carl lawson uh jermaine johnson uh, john franklin myers when he moves to the outside jacob martin they just they haven't had that pop off the edge yet and we're we're sitting here crapping on the bengals offensive line and they deserve it but they also have faced the two best edge rushers in all of football the first two weeks and tj watt and then micah parsons the jets don't have a guy like that now i understand it's a big revenge game for carl lawson his you know coming back against the jets too but this is a bigger revenge game for the cincinnati bengals who probably their most humiliating loss of, of last season was at the hands of the new york jets and mike white so not only are they, you know, getting up for that and trying to make amends for that terrible loss last year, they also are desperate, 0 two after being a team that was, you know, sixty minutes away from winning the Super Bowl. So Cincinnati here, minus six, is it up to six and a half? Where do I have it at? I've got it at six here. Um, I'm gonna take the Bengals as a big play. I just I, I want to put them in my trust zone again, but they're just they're not there yet for me. Another team. The Panthers do not beat the Saints at home in week three. I need to just fucking give up on them for the rest of the season. They are too talented skill player wise and just not even just skill player offensively, but their defense is nice. The coaching is so goddamn bad. I don't know why we think that Matt Rule combined with Bob uh, uh, McAdoo. Is it Bob McAdoo? Yeah. Why do we think that that is the recipe we I know we understand we had to move on from Joe Brady offensively and bring in a different but we are also just going to add in one of the worst m- recent head coaches of the last decade like things didn't go more wrong for Bob Mack it's not Bob McAdoo it is it's Ben McAdoo Bob where is I getting Bob McAdoo Ben McAdoo so he he's in there as offensive coordinator and we're just like oh yeah this is the recipe one of the most uh disgraced offensive head coaches we've had over the last five to 10 years now playing second fiddle and and working alongside Matt Rule, who might just be a good college coach and and is probably on his way out of the NFL after this season. Um, I do think, though, that the Saints are still one of these teams that we are massively overrating. They always play Tampa close. So, you know, I know it got ugly at the end there with the pick six um, that Jameis threw, but I, I still think they're getting too much respect here and it's still at the end of the day, Dennis Allen, who is yet to be a good NFL head coach in this league in his previous stint, it was abysmal. And Jameis Winston is a quarterback that I just, I can't trust. I will stop trusting the Panthers after this week, but I am going to take them plus three at home. I'm going to take them to win the game. I do not love it as much as I, I want to say that I've got that same confidence. I just have to, I, I'm going to put a little bit smaller of a wager on it this time. I do think they get the win at home because I think they are just the more talented team on paper. And, you know, as opposed to the previous weeks where they lose to the Giants and Brian Dable is getting a lot of respect as a head coach and they lose the week before that to Cleveland and Stefanski is a really good head coach. I think the coaching matchup will be a little bit more in their favor this week where the talent should overcome it. If it doesn't, I'm giving up on them. I've I've rode them the last two weeks. I'm riding them again this week with the Saints, albeit a little bit smaller of a a unit play, but give me the Panthers to win at home. I'll be pissed off if they if they if they screw me for the third week in a row here. One more early afternoon game before we get into my final, I guess, love of the board this week, and and all of our plays will be um, head to my Twitter account at Blake Andrew Pace. I do a gambling card every week. So far through two weeks, we are a whopping. 41 and 39 up 0.88 units, um, mostly in thanks to player props that we are up. Totals have been nice. And my underdog parlay has carried us. We hit two um, big long shot ones this season. The first week it was the Steelers and the. I don't remember who it was. It was the Steelers and somebody. And then week two, we follow it up with the uh, the craziest comeback money line parlay of all time. The the Jets and the Dolphins had them at plus 960, and that thing was dead, dead, dead in the water. I can only imagine the odds you would have gotten that on that in the fourth quarter, um, but they pull out the win there too. So that's helping us out a lot too. Big plays have been hurting us, but all in all, above 500 and almost up a full unit on the season. So the full card will be on my Twitter. Um, one of my plays that I will be more invested in is the Lions. Road underdogs to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, the Lions, I don't necessarily love them to win this game outright, but I do believe them to keep it close simply because the Vikings look really rough on the ground. Um, they play a lot of soft coverage defensively. I mean, Jalen Hurts had just about every easy throw in the world on Monday Night Football. Um And I think with Amon Ross, St. Brown, the offensive weapons, Hawkinson, I believe we'll start to get a little bit better of a game from him than we've seen this season. But I also think it's going to be a heavy, heavy, heavy DeAndre Swift game. Two of my props that will be on the card will be his over on rushing yards and his over on total yards, so rushing plus receiving. So I think it's going to be a big DeAndre Swift game. I think at the very least, they are keeping pace with Minnesota's offense. Um, I understand that this is probably a little bit tougher of a team than when they faced Washington, and they did play Philadelphia. To open up the season and and we're getting blown out made the late comeback um, but i do believe this game is a lot closer than the six points that we are currently getting at let me see if it's moved since then it's still sitting at six give me the lines plus six i think this is a field goal game where even if it's you know minnesota is in control and they're up 10 late in the fourth this is an offense that is still frisky enough and has good enough playmakers where they could get that late touchdown to pull it you know within six and get them to the win there so give me give me Detroit. They are going to be in my money line parlay, my two for this week, um, just as a, a underdog Moneyline parlay. Uh, the the lower odds one is the Panthers and the Packers. Those are two guys that I believe are both at home. No, Green Bay is in Tampa, but two smaller ones. They're at plus 376 combined. And then my long shot one, um, I'm going to be on the Chiefs minus five and a half, but simply just for the the need to feel somewhat involved with the Colts, I'm doing a Colts-Lions uh, money line parlay there that is plus 800 so those will be the two underdog money line parlays for this week but in terms of just a play in the game itself give me the lines to keep things close against Minnesota I think Minnesota has a talented offense I don't believe they have a talented defense Um and Detroit seems frisky enough to keep things close especially within a, a divisional opponent Final game we'll talk about Sunday night football. Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers travel to Denver. This game opened up as Denver being a slight favorite. Um, I took my first play was taking the 49ers money line when they were at minus 110. They're now up to one and a half point favorites. Give me the 49ers here um, to send the Broncos to one and two on the season. I think right now you are getting. The better version of the San Francisco 49ers, I know they have spent this entire offseason trying to retransition, you know, to to transition this offense into something that would be a little bit more Washington back when they had RG3 or um trying to think if they've ever worked with, you know, more mobile quarterbacks before that as well, too. Maybe there was some time in Cleveland that that Shanahan did, but I can't remember. Um, But I do believe they're trying to get more toward that mobile quarterback. And, and you saw it, you know, I. There was a stat that, you know, Michael Vick throughout his entire career never had a game where he had more than 14 rush attempts. In Trey Lance's first three starts, he did it twice and was on pace for 16 before getting hurt. So they are really trying to dial up the runs um, and make this a, a different type of offense now it reverts back to the defense or to the offense they've had the last few years and one that has been very successful for them. You know, the 49ers were just a couple of plays away from making the Super Bowl against the Rams uh, this past year. They made it to a Super Bowl a couple years ago and lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a good team. Kittle is probably coming back. They do have a banged up running back room right now, but I like the, I just like the offense more right now with Garoppolo under center because Lance is a developmental project and was going to take some time. I think that in the long run, you are a more explosive offense with Trey Lance at quarterback, but that is in 2023 or in week 16. It is not right now where they're still trying to figure things out. So I think you're getting the 49ers here who, to me, my Super Bowl pick for the NFC, I I think you're getting them at great value here. And it's not that Denver is necessarily bad. I do think that a lot of their stuff that they've struggled with so far gets corrected over the next few weeks. Um, especially you know like the the situational play calling timeout usage getting the ball snapped I, I it's just going to take some time to mesh for a quarterback and a head coach that are forming together I said this in previous weeks it just takes some time especially when you're not getting used to each other in the preseason if you're not you know throwing your guys out there that much it's going to get fixed but at the end of the day I do just think that the 49ers have a better team uh, than the Denver Broncos I don't think the Broncos are great on defense and they're a little banged up now as well too so give me the 49ers to take care of the Broncos Sunday Night football people start to panic about the 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 Broncos season all off to one and two you know you got to keep pace with the Chargers and the Chiefs and hey the Raiders are now one and two as well too if they end up beating um the Titans like I expect them to it'll be fine we'll talk about it on Monday we will not panic unless it's another week where it looks abysmal between Russ and Hackett I just I think it's got to get better but Um, I think right now you're getting the best version of the 49ers for week three um, in the NFL season and getting them as slight favorites over the Broncos, I think is one of the stronger plays that you have to feel confident about um, when you take a look at this entire board. So, yeah, that'll be there. Um, The entire card on my Twitter as well, too. I really do like some totals this week. You know, I'll just I'll throw them out there right now. Uh, Detroit, Minnesota, over 51 and a half. Kansas City, Indianapolis, under 49 and a half. Buffalo, Miami, over 51 and a half. Green Bay, Tampa Bay, under 46 i took all of those early in the week i am on you know like i said the panthers plus three i please do not screw me over again i'm on cincinnati minus six i will just have to give up on them if they are uh if, if they did sh- they can't show up against this jets defense that i think will give them a lot of opportunities to make explosive plays um and then we've also talked about those three strong plays as well too taking the Raiders over the Titans, taking the 49ers over the Broncos, and having the Vikings, excuse me, the Lions keep things close with Minnesota. That will wrap it up for Quick Hits on a Friday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the week three slate. We'll be back on Monday talking about all of the events that have transpired over the, last, over the next 48 to 72 hours, and we'll preview Monday Night Football Cowboys at Giants. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you soon. Peace.